Are you using your voice in your business? Having a podcast is the fastest way to become a thought leader in your space. It not only builds your confidence, but it builds a reputation for you as an expert in your field. Many women have told me they don't have time to go through my eight-week podcast launch. Well, introducing the White Glove Podcasting VIP Experience. We will get your podcast up and launched in one week. This includes creating, naming, marketing your podcast, getting comfortable with recording, finding your unique voice, and launching with confidence. This is a luxury experience where you'll be guided by me personally through the process. If you've been thinking of launching a podcast and you're looking for a sign, this is it. Use the link in the show notes to schedule a call to learn more. Podcasting has changed my life and 10X'd my business. Let's leap into your next level together. Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hello, warriors. When I started a podcast at 50, I didn't think twice about being too old to start it. When I started my mastermind groups and 12-week program, Limitless Warrior at 51, I didn't even consider my age. But I am certainly getting a lot of attention for doing it. Women over 50 sometimes feel that they are too old to start something new. Even worse, Women are telling me that they're feeling invisible and irrelevant. If that's how you're feeling, this is the podcast for you. My guest not only started an incredibly successful business at the age of 53, but her latest venture is just for women 50 and up. We are talking about fighting ageism, about menopause, about the wisdom of being over 50 and the one question that you need to ask yourself when you're feeling scared to do that thing or start that new venture. This is a juicy podcast about aging into the best version of you from a woman who's doing just that. Let's get into it. But first, if I told you there was a 4% chance of rain, would you leave the house in a raincoat, boots, and grab an umbrella? Of course you wouldn't. You wouldn't let a 4% chance of rain ever even enter your mind, or would you? Studies show that only 4% of what we worry about actually happens, just 4%. And yet we're up all night worrying about all of those what ifs, all that for a 4% chance of anything actually happening. There is a whole 96% of life we're missing when we're focused on the 4%. It's not that you're a worrier. It's that the 96% feels more uncomfortable somehow. The 96% where things are going well. Possibilities are endless. There are two worlds. One where you're living comfortably in your fear and limitations and victimhood. And another world where you're living in your divine freedom and possibility. And whatever you focus on, you get more of. I want to know where you're spending most of your days. Are you in the 4% or the 96%? Take my limiting beliefs quiz. Find out what's really blocking you. Grab the link in my bio. 
All right. Today on the show, Susan Feldman. Many people know Susan Feldman as the co-founder of One King's Lane, a go-to destination for home and interior design shopping for millions of people, including me, of course, Susan. But her current passion is to shine a light on age-defying women. In the Groove is a community that celebrates and engages women as the evolving and relevant women they are. Founded with a sense of humor, community, and self-awareness, In the Groove is on a mission to free women from rules, age limits, and expectations. And Susan is the perfect example. Susan became an entrepreneur at the age of 53. After spending over 20 years in retail, running sales and marketing teams in the apparel industry like Polo Jeans, Ralph Lauren Swimwear, Ralph Lauren Sleepwear, she decided it was time to make a change. And in 2008, with an itch to create something of her own, Susan co-founded One King's Lane, a luxury home and decor website. I am so excited to have her on the show today and talk about In the Groove, her latest projects. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you. Finally, we were able to do this. Oh my God, you guys. Susan and I, <laughs> I don't know what happened to us. Busy Literally, women. this has been months. Yeah, busy women. But, it be, but we stuck to it and we made it happen. Yeah, we made it happen. But that's life, right? Things came up. This one's got a graduation. This kid's over here. You got a work thing. I couldn't do it. I mean, whatever. We actually got to spend time together when you hosted the Paulina Poroskova book yes, event. Yes, so I actually yeah. got to like meet you ahead of time, which was which was nice. I don't always get to meet the people I'm gonna. Yeah, you know, no, that was awesome. Nice. That was a great event. Yeah, and you do have the greatest house <laughs> ever, ever, Thank ever. You. I really want to go in the rest of the rooms in your house. I only saw the kitchen. Come back, come back, come, come back, back for a tour because anyone who ran one's Kings Lane. You can just imagine, people, what her house is actually like. So, Susan, in my deep research, yes. <laughs> I found out that you grew up all over the United States. Your family moved eight times before you graduated high school. Tell me, why in the world did you move eight times, and what did you learn from moving eight times? Well, and just just to put a like clarify that, I went to three high schools. In, in in all those moves, which made it probably even crazier. But oh, God, yeah. um, my dad was in retailing at the time. And, you know, it was a different world back then. There were lots of department stores and he was working his way up the corporate ladder. And uh, it just, every time he got promoted, it meant moving basically. And he got promoted a lot. <laughs> so we moved and yeah, it was kind of funny. We moved eight times. I finally graduated from high school in Northern California. And I realized when I moved my mom out of that house that once they moved there, they stayed in that house for 40 years. <laughs> it's like I finally got sick of moving. Somebody could have figured this out a little bit earlier, you know. So yeah, so we we moved we moved a lot, lived all over the country, which is kind of cool. You know, we lived in the south, the east, the midwest, the east, but out to the west coast. So that was kind of interesting. Well, what did you learn from all that? Because there's no way, I mean, you know, my mom had kind of a similar thing, but she was an army brat. You were a retail brat. I was a retail brat. My mother was an army brat. But my mom, it was really it was hard for her to rely on friends. She became kind of more introverted 
because yeah. she moved so much, she really couldn't rely on, you know, back then it wasn't like you had a text and a this and a that, yeah, right? Like you could, really couldn't keep in touch except for writing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I think what I really, my biggest takeaway from this was that I became pretty adaptable. I can walk into a new situation and, you know, find my way pretty easily because I had to do it a lot, right? As a kid, I had to learn how to go to a new school and, you know, suss out who was who and what was what and where I was going to go. So I'm pretty comfortable with, you know, going into new situations. And I think, you know, the interesting thing is, I had a lot of change in my life. So change doesn't really scare me. I mean, I, I think I did have a little bit of a reaction to that as an adult. You know, I my I stayed in the same apartment that I lived in for a long time. And I stayed in this my first job for a very long term, maybe not my first job, but for a long time. But I am open to change and I still have had, you know, a fair amount of change. I mean, my husband and I picked up 17 years ago, because he had a career opportunity and moved to California from New York City. You know, so I'm I'm open to that. Like, I'm not afraid of change. Sometimes, you know, that's it's maybe a little bit easier for me just having gone through it so many times as a young child. Absolutely. And I, and I think we all create safety in different ways. So it's interesting that you did kind of land in some places and stay longer, maybe that you maybe would have if you had kind of grown up in a house and you just lived the same street and set you right. But then you're kind so. of looking for that sometimes. Yeah. I, th- I think so. But I do, I do actually enjoy change. Like it's kind of funny. We've been here in this house that you were talking about for 17 years and I'm kind of keep prodding my husband, like, let's do something. <laughs> <laughs> but it's beautiful. So you don't need to do a damn thing. No, I mean like move, you know, like no, just- don't move. It's beautiful. I'm going to buy it. I'm taking your house. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll let you know what we do. Okay. Let me, please let me know before you put it on the market. I love how you're reinventing yourself and you're always aligning to your values, which is so amazing. So take me back to your life before one King's Lane. What was happening in your life and career then? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I mean, first of all, I had had a great career up until that point, you know, running sales and marketing organizations for big apparel companies. And I guess I always felt a little entrepreneurial, even though I was working under the umbrella of a large company, I always felt like I had my own little thing. And, you know, you're able to do some things creatively, but I never did anything on my own. And I always had lots of ideas for businesses. And, you know, I don't know, if this is for other people, but you know, you think, oh my God, this is such a great idea. And then you sort of sit with it and let it marinate for two weeks. You're like, yeah, maybe that's not such a good idea. You know, and you go on to the next one, but I was always coming up with new ideas. And as I had mentioned, we had moved to California a couple of years before this all happened. And I was consulting for an apparel company, you know, doing sales and marketing and retail had just changed a lot since I, you know, I've been in the industry for 20 something years and I just found it wasn't as enjoyable as it had been. It got a little toxic. I just wasn't having the same kind of joy from it that I had been having before. So I got to a point where I had said to my husband, you know, I think like either I'm going to quit and retire or like go do something completely new. And I had been thinking about this idea for One King's Lane for like a year. So that was an idea that didn't go away after two weeks. It just kind of kept coming back to me and I got more and more excited about it. And when I got to that point that I really like kind of was ready to make a change, 
I still wasn't quite sure if I wanted to do it. And my husband was actually really great at that time because he said, well, what, what's the worst thing that could happen? You keep talking about this thing. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen if you do it? I was like, you know, that's a really good point. I guess the worst thing that could happen is it wouldn't work, right? That would just, but I would at least, I would be able to say I tried. I did something, you know, I went at it. He kind of pushed me in the pool, you know, and I was like, at that point, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this happen. And that was kind of the beginning. I was off and running at that point. I love it. Well, tell us about One King's Lane. It really disrupted the marketplace. It did. How, why? Why do you, how did it change the game? Like looking back now, like you're, you're probably like, I'm even more brilliant than I realized. I'm I'm so really, I mean, you know, exactly. Such no, but like it is, it is kind of amazing when something like that happens, right? Because it's the, the perfect, the perfect kind of confluence of things, right? Like yes. the, the, there's yes. a, there needed to be a, a change, right? Yes. Everybody yes. knew there needed to be one. And then you just come along with this thing, right? Which everyone didn't even realize they needed until here you come. Yeah. And I mean, to be perfectly honest, I didn't sit down and say, you know what, I'm going to disrupt the home. No, of course not. Yes. <laughs> Actually, what I did was I was trying to fulfill a need that I had, which was when we moved to California, we bought this house and I was became obsessed with home, which is why I became really interested in doing something in this space. And I was trying to solve a problem that I had, which is I couldn't find what I wanted online. You know, online was, just, I mean, this sounds so crazy. And, but I mean, you know, talking, we moved out here in 2005 and I couldn't find what I wanted online and I didn't really have time to go shopping. And so I was trying to solve, you know, a problem uh, that I was having. And I think what really became so disruptive about it is you look at the home industry back then you know, there was a couple of different ways you could do things for your home. You could hire a designer and they had access to all this merchandise and things that were kind of behind a wall that was called to the trade, right? That you couldn't really get access to unless you had a designer. And then, you know, the other way was just to go shop at sort of the big box stores, you know, like a crate and barrel, pottery barn, all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't a really good way to get access to more boutique-y, more unique, more special type of products. And what we did is we just kind of broke down the walls and we made it accessible to everybody at, at a great price. I mean, that was kind of the thing when we started, because when we did start this business, which is kind of interesting, it was literally the height of the 2008 recession. And so that was also part of our perfect storm is that manufacturers and designers and all kinds of people had excess inventory that they might not have had if we had started the company five years earlier. So, you know, timing definitely played a part besides our brilliance. Timing was, you know, definitely a factor. I love that. But I think, you know, what was disruptive is that we gave people access really to, you know, all kinds of great things for their home that they might not have had access Otherwise, and I think the other thing that was pretty disruptive that we did, it seems kind of no big deal now, is we became amazing storytellers. And that isn't really the way that you presented merchandise back then, even though it's not that long ago. But so people would just wait for our emails to come because it always was kind of, you know, it would draw you in and we would tell a story. We'd tell a story about the manufacturer, the brand or the product. Or once I started traveling, it might be a story about traveling to Morocco or India or whatever. So that was pretty new back then also, which made it really fun and interesting. 
I love that. I, I, it, you're making me think of the Jay Peterman catalog. Exactly. Where, where exactly. They, but that is really true. Like you would be so enamored with not just the thing, but like what the history was. How did it come about? What is it really used for? Like you, you people get into that minutia because then it's like when you buy something, it's not just the thing you bought. It's the story yeah. that comes yeah. with the thing that's so fascinating. Yeah. And the brand stories are really interesting too. And this was kind of interesting back then, but you know, if you would go into a specialty store, maybe even today for home decor, it's very hard to find brand identification on product because people wanted you to feel like they curated all this product, right? And so when we came along, we we're like to the brands, we want to tell your story. They were just like, what? And so <laughs> they were so excited because we we're like, tell us your story. We're going to tell it to the world and we're going to, you know, make people see what you're doing and how great this is and who you are. And this is a family, fourth generation family business. And there's something really cool about it. So we started doing things for actually the industry that hadn't really been done either, especially for the the manufacturing part of it. And they were pretty excited about that as well. I love that. So you started your first business at 53, like I said before. What advice, I, I have to tell you, Susan, I coach a lot of women who are in their 50s. I, yeah. I am, I because that's where I am. That's where I like to swim. That's the pool I like. And a lot of them look at me as an inspiration because I started a business at 50. It was, and it went off and went took off. And it was something I had thought about for years that it just kept nagging me, masterminds yeah. and all this, yeah. this whole like kind of warrior women brand and what am I doing with this? And it was something that I've like kind of iterated differently along the way. But now I coach women who are like, I want to get out of the golden handcuffs. I want to start a job. I want to start a business. And they're just, a lot of them tell me, Susan, I'm too old. And I am over here going, I just am getting started. So I don't know what these people are talking about. It's so confusing yeah, to me. Yeah. But I'm sure you hear this. You're some special unicorn, 53, started it, right? But but really, this is the, I think, the best age you could do something like this. So tell me, what's I your advice so. on this whole, like, I'm too old to start a business in my 50s? Situation. Well, first you got to get rid of that. Yeah, let's just get rid. Of, let's just get rid I mean, of that, that first. That is kind of funny. Like that was not something that I actually even thought about when I was thinking about starting one Kingsland. And age never was a factor. But anyway, that's a whole other conversation. I mean, what I think is for somebody who's trying to start something new at fifty. Okay, you've done a lot up into this point, right? So take inventory of, you know, hopefully you have a pretty good idea of what you're good at and what you're not good at, what you like to do, what you don't like to do. I think take a really good inventory of that. And then I think you use this word actually when you were talking, I think you're thinking more, I like to think of it more as an iteration, right? So it's not like it has to be a big reinvention. Like you don't have to, you know, be a lawyer and then all of a sudden become a creative director. You know, like it always sounds like when people are talking about it, it's like going from one extreme to another. No, I think what it is, is like figure out what you love to do and what your strengths are and then iterate from there into, you know, whatever it is that you, you know, want to do. You know, the other thing is if you feel really good about an idea that you have and you've kind of sussed it out, which, you know, I think is important to do also, like just starting something for the heck of starting it, probably not the best idea either. You know, you need to realize there are going to be a lot of naysayers along the way. And if you believe in it, you got to put those blinders on and those earplugs and just, you know, keep going at it and make it happen. Yeah. I mean, no horse runs a race looking to the side. That's why they have the blinders on. This is exactly. funny. 
A horse cannot literally run a race if right. he's looking left and looking right. He'll be he will not be going anywhere. And two other horses have already won. So right. when they say put the blinders on, they're not kidding. They put them exactly. on the horses for a reason, right? And, so you know, by really the way, true. age or no age, I mean, we had to do that also when we started. I mean, I had a co-founder uh when I started One King's Lane. And you know, there were a lot of people, people that said to us, you know, what do you know about home? You've only been apparel. What do you, you know, I don't know. Why would you be wanting to you know, it just, there were like a million reasons why not to do this, you know, so that's okay. Uh, you, you learn from that information too. I think, you know, that's oh, another gosh, thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can't yeah. let them stop you. Tell me about in the groove because in the groove celebrates women. It fights ageism. Tell me why you, what made you so passionate about starting this and what were you kind of hearing? Because I have, I have an inclination that you were probably hearing some things that made you go, what in the hell? Exactly. So I spent seven very busy years doing, you know, in, uh, doing one King's line and then we sold the company. And as we were coming out of that sale, I kind of started reconnecting with people that maybe I didn't have a lot of time to spend with, or just even spending time with colleagues and every buddy that I spoke to women 50 plus, it was kind of crazy. I was like, wait, what is going on here? Like I was feeling, you know, really good about myself and, you know, what I had been doing and everything, but everybody I spoke to used the word invisible. I swear it was like the craziest thing. And I'm like, what is happening here? And I'm not talking about just, you know, people that didn't work or work. I mean, I'm talking about people that were CEOs of company. They started talking about how they felt invisible. They were starting to feel irrelevant. And then, so then I said to myself, that's so crazy, but like, who's speaking to women 50 plus digitally? Like where, where, where are you going? What are you looking at? What are you reading? And I couldn't really find, you know, online what I thought was a good platform for women in this demographic. And so I said to myself, you know what? I think this is a very big white space. And I think there's a lot that needs to be done here because when I started digging into the demographics, as I'm sure you know, I found out, you know, this demographic, women 50 plus, like second largest demographic and growing to millennials has more money than any other demographic, are super consumers. They spend 250% more than any other demographic out there. And I said, okay, there's definitely an opportunity here to do something and try to change this conversation and what people think about, you know, I mean, it's not just women, but that was my focus, right? People, older people, 50, you know, 50 plus people and all the negativity that goes with it. So when I realized, I said, this is like a huge white space. How do I go at this? And again, this kind of goes back to your earlier question. It's like, okay, what I'm good at is I'm a merchant, you know, I'm good at curating. I'm good at doing that. So let me try to curate, whether it be merchandise and information that will help women in this demographics be more informed and just feel better about themselves and sort of, you know, have any kind of assist that I can give them in this journey because, hey, you know, it isn't easy. And you know what, what I realized also is like our generation is the first generation like this. Like I'm very different than my mother. You know, she was great. And I thought she looked great at, you know, she's still alive, God bless at 93. But that, you know, at 50 and 60, I thought, oh, she seems pretty cool, you know, for that. But I realized like it was a very different mindset and oh God, yeah. everything, how they took care of themselves, how they thought about things. 
So our generation is really first at sort of paving the way. And I got kind of excited about that also, you know, like we can really help all the generations behind us have an easier time at this if we can sort of clear the path, so to speak. Yeah, I love I love that because you're right. Like, you know, I I just uh, recently gave a big talk, a, a big, big, a big talk at this uh, company. And I was talking to them about how I think that the strong woman, resilient woman is the same thing as a 1950s housewife. Oh, interesting. It's just another iteration mm-hmm. and a way to box us in to yeah. a certain thing and that we have to be resilient and you can never cry and you can never break down and you can never have a crappy moment or say you hate your kids. You have to be resilient and strong and you can't ask for help and all of these things, which is just kind of like a June Cleaver reference to me. So I love this because I feel like what you're saying and what you're doing with uh, in the groove is really letting women be who they want to be. Like that there is not a rule on you. You don't have to have an expectation. And whatever the hell someone has told you in the past is completely ridiculous and that you are your relevance. You are your own validation. And so go forth, woman, and do the thing. That you exactly. want to do. Yeah. exactly and we're we're all unique i mean there's not like one way or you know to to your point there's not a right way and a wrong way there's a way that works for you yeah um so that you feel good and you know both inside and outside right because i think all this stuff is so intertwined anyway you have to physically feel healthy mentally you know emotionally all that kind of stuff. And that was one of the things that I kind of, and thinking about this felt was happening to women, just using 50 as like, you know, an arbitrary number, but it's kind of where we all, you know, put the stake in the ground. You know, a lot of stuff happens at that point to women, physically, menopause, you know, it's usually happening emotionally. You know, if you have kids, you're becoming an empty nester close to it. And then a lot of times you're sitting across the table from somebody you've been, you know, been your partner for 20 years that you don't know, and you're not sure you want to be with them. You know, professionally, you're probably dealing with some getting aged out issues, you know, so it's just like a perfect storm. And I think things get a little bit blurry and it's hard to keep up with everything that's going on in our very fast changing world. So, and eventually you get through that and get clarity, but I think if we can be helpful or add a little assist as people are going through that. And then when they come out of it, I, you know, hope that we can help this, you know, make people feel better. Absolutely. Um, speaking of menopause, I was on your site. <laughs> One of the things I was just, I, and I love that you use humor because that's kind of my brand too. Like I love, yeah. I love using yeah. humor. I, I don't want personal growth to feel like it's so painful that we can never laugh our asses off. Like that's just right. not a thing for me. One of my favorite things on your site is that menopause registry. Tell me why you're using humor to, re- yeah. to reach women in their fifties. Well, first of all, I mean, I just think at this point in our lives, you got to have, you know, you got to laugh a little bit, right? You can't take things too serious. I mean, there's plenty of serious things out there. Don't get me wrong, but like, you got to, you got to laugh, you know, a little bit. And these are kind of crazy, tough things that we have to go through. So I just feel like a little sense of humor helps. But, you know, honestly, when we started four years ago, nobody was talking about menopause. And I thought, how do we get people to think about this? And, you know, actually be more open about it. And I felt like, well, if we just had 
you know, shop menopause or what that's kind of boring, right? So like the idea that it, there's, this is a moment in your life. It's a big moment. And we celebrate all those moments with registries. Why not a menopause registry? You know, I love it. I love it because it is true. We're kind of ripping the bandaid off. More people are talking about menopause more than ever. It used to be kind of like gross to talk about. Oh yeah. No, no, no. It's, know, now it's... I feel like fuck off. Like this is actually what's happening. We, if we want to talk about it, we're going to talk about it. And by the way, the way you survive some of these things is you talk to another person. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Exactly. Exactly. That's sort of the whole thing is that if we're going to be helpful, we have to be talking, having open conversations about it. It's like when I went through menopause and I went to my mother and I'm like, so like, tell me, like, did you have hot flashes for a while? She's like, "Mm, I don't know. You know, like she, she was like of zero help. And I'm thinking, but that's too bad. Cause you know, there are some genetic similarities that probably would have been helpful for me to, to know, but she didn't, she didn't, you know, the first of all, she couldn't remember at this point anyway, but you know, it's not like something that I didn't even know that we talked about it when I'm sure we didn't talk about, it. I know we didn't talk about it when it was, you know, happening. I didn't probably didn't even understand what was going on. You know, Absolutely. but I mean, they, you're right. They don't even remember part, part, part of it. They don't even, but I think because they didn't, we weren't allowed to talk about it. Exactly. But there's so much more conversation around this, you know, right now. And actually the funny story about this is somebody who I spoke to when we were just getting started, who I could tell she was not all that interested. You know, this didn't hit her wheelhouse, right? She wasn't probably 50. Maybe she was 45. She was feeling really good. She called me a couple of years later. She goes, I have to talk to you. And I'm like, what? She goes, I'm perimenopause. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know who to talk to. I need to like see you and talk to you. And I was like, okay, no problem. There's lots of resources now, but yeah, but I think, you know, we, it's all this stuff. It's like, we can help each other through it by having conversations and sharing and not feeling like you're going through this by yourself. Like, you know, so many other things. Absolutely. So what's next for you in this amazing journey? What's, what's, what's next? You know, I feel like what we're doing is like, I'm having so much fun doing this right now. And I just want to keep doing more of it and, you know, make it bigger and hopefully reach, you know, larger audiences. We just started, as you were talking about earlier, doing some of our own merchandise, which has been really fun. And of course, you know, I love, I can't get enough of that. You know, anytime I can do my own merch, which is also something with a sense of humor, you know, making t-shirts and and sweatshirts that say things like old school and vintage, you know, everything's a little bit tongue in cheek. And so I think we can do more of those things to spread the word and really just try to keep changing this conversation around ageism. Cause unfortunately in the list of isms, for whatever reason, ageism always seems to be at the bottom and the last one that people think about. So even though we're maybe, you know, not talking about the most serious things, hopefully we can start to portray what women in this demographic really look like and who we are and help change, you know, that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will put all the links to all of these things in the okay, show. Okay, great. Notes. Thank you. you. Can just click on over, go to the, menop- join us. the menopause have- registry. Yeah, join us. We, we have, we do have a lot of fun. I mean, but we have a website and we also, I think are doing a lot of really fun things on Instagram. So I think sign up for a newsletter, follow us on Instagram. If you're one of our people, I think you'll enjoy it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, now we're on to the speed round, Susan. So get ready. Oh, I love speed rounds. Okay. Just fill in the blank. I am learning that. 
I am learning that I have to always keep learning and never stop learning. Because if you do, it's as bad. You just, yeah. you know, it's it's not a good thing. You just never, you have to always keep challenging yourself. Yeah. Well, if you're not evolving, you're dying. So there you go. Yeah. When I feel lost, I... I use ways, right? No. Uh, <laughs> yes. Actually, no, seriously, I when I feel lost, I talk to my husband who literally is like my own personal GPS system because he just has good clarity around, you know, me and, and lots of things. So he can help me, you know, find my way a lot of times. Lucky woman. I am a woman who? I am a woman who you can count on to get stuff done. I love that. I am proud of the fact that I... I am proud of the fact that I became an entrepreneur at 53 and am still going. Just disrupting that and disrupting now, Susan. Yes, exactly. Discontinuing the disruption. I love it. I always say... Today, I always say less is more. Interesting. From a Mm -hmm. person who loves the merch and the merchandise. But I, but you see, having the right stuff is so much better than having a lot of stuff. It's taken me a little while to understand that, but I, I get it. And it's not just about clothes either. I think it's about so many other things in, in your life. You know, it's like, and I think as we get older, we see this, right? It's like with friends, like, I mean, I love having a lot of friends and acquaintances, but having like a core group of friends is, is really, you know, that's less is more, right? Yeah, it's, uh, I just think it applies to so, so it just takes a while to learn this. I for sure is taking me a long time, but I, I think I got it now. <laughs> I'm really excited about. I'm really excited about what we were talking about, really trying to change the conversation around aging. Yeah. And I think we are, I mean, listen, you and I are doing that. That's what we're doing. That's why I interview women who mostly are in 40, 50 and up, because I really want women to know that the women are out there doing amazing things all the time. All the time. You got it. You just, you know, I think you just have to keep challenging yourself and, you know, trying new things and being a little adventuresome, trying things that may be a little scary. You know, it's like, I'm not talking about, you know, physically scary, but you know, things that might maybe are a little bit out of your wheelhouse, good things come out of that, you know, and especially I think as we get older. Oh God. Yeah. I think, I think that's what keeps us alive. I, I, I teach women that fear is actually a blueprint. And so it's <laughs> rather than having it being a scary thing that you're like, Oh my God, I don't know how to, you know, like when I started this podcast, I didn't know technology, Susan, you think I knew what the hell right, the first right. two podcasts, I didn't even hit record. I had to call the people back and say, just kidding. Can we do that again? <laughs> right. So I think you have to kind of, like you're saying, have a sense of humor, levity for the win and, oh. and, and not be afraid to do some new things. And it's okay if you mess it up, because guess what? You can, you can fix it. It's everything is figure outable. Everything's fixable. Well, this is this was Bob Feldman's great piece of advice. What's the worst thing that can happen? You know, exactly. that's, that's kind of like really at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself when you're thinking about trying something new, what could be so bad? You know, you won't like it. It won't work. It, you'll learn some. I mean, it's like, you know, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. Bob Feldman yeah. for the win. I've, I'm Bob gonna get, I, he needs his own newsletter. Um, okay, Susan, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Finally. I absolutely love you. So thank you for coming on. Uh, thanks, Liz. I've loved being here and I hope I see you soon. Oh, we are going to see each other. I already told you. Okay. That. I'm moving. Okay, in the house. 
All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star written review. You know how to do it. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye, everyone. Bye.